Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat eating, a donkey eat a palace. There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, built. But I burst out laughing about <laughs> him. Okay, so we have a massive weekend of provincial football to get through we have a little bit of hurling just one hurling match uh, Niall and one hurling county final it's all about the fo- it's all about the big ball I'm hoping for a better weekend we built up the last weekend um, and it didn't come through for us we'll build up this weekend um, as well because we're eternal optimists on the show here first big one we'll, we'll start with the matches on television first um, Kilmacoke Croaks head to Park Talton to, pl- to play Wolf Tones Keen Ward's Wolf Tones um, obviously you think Kilmacoke Croaks are like I mean I think they're going to be probably a different animal this year in in the Leinster Club, this is obviously the quarter final. They, geez, they got an awful kick in the arse in 2018 when they were beaten by Mullinocta in the final. Embar- There's no disrespect to Mullinocta, but that was embarrassing for Kilmacoke Croaks. Like their name was written on it, and they didn't show up. They weren't they weren't ready for the fight that day. So I'd imagine it's three seasons later. You know what I mean, Niall? And they are older, they're wiser, and that is one motivating factor um, to not let that happen to them again. Yeah, definitely. To have that behind them, like to have lost that game, like I'd say it was such a sickener to them because going into that Mullinyakta game, they probably thought like, you know, we're on for another Leinster club here. And Mullinyakta just kind of, you know, they were more hungry than them on the day and that's why they won the game. And Kilmacoe Crokes are back again. They've done well in Dublin, and I'd say they're men on a mission this year to kind of put those demons behind them. Like, yeah, I'd imagine that they are. This match actually, interestingly, clashes with Port Harlington and St. Lomans, which I think could be the game um, of the weekend. Port Harlington, a fantastic team to watch, and St. Lomans, a fantastic uh, team in Westmead, and should really have won the, the Leinster Club title. Dear Moorfield completely, you know, shell shocked them. I think they were seven points down in injury time and ended up beating St. Lomans. So St. Lomans probably have their own demons to try and, you know, exercise in Leinster. Um, like, I mean, the big one with uh, Wolf Tones, I suppose, is 
Lee's me teams generally don't do all that well in the Leinster Club and while it's a huge achievement to win the, the, the Mead Championship you know you wonder what level they're at you know they have a manager in Michael McDermott who's won the Munster Club with Kilmurray Kilbricken they beat Austin Stacks we'll be talking about them soon in the or Kearns O'Ratley's in the final of that I'm pretty sure um, and then they beat Portleash in the semi-final went all the way to the All-Ireland Club final so I'm sure they have the right man in charge of them Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the other thing with the Wolf Tones too that they maybe take some benefit from is is watching Croaks against St Jude's in that match, you know, yeah. and just seeing that sort of defensive setup that they, you know, it took what was it twenty minutes before a score was even on the board. They would play sort of defensive football themselves. Um, their final against was it Dumboyne or right. whatever you call them, yeah. but like they lost like one nine to, or they won one nine to nine. You know, it wasn't a, a game for the ages by any means. Um, they play defensive football. They might sort of use. St. Jude's is like a blueprint, maybe, to try and go forward into that game. And yeah, but uh, you would imagine Kilmacro Crokes, they'll be, uh, they'll have an insatiable hunger to try and uh, print their name on Leinster. Yeah, that's the early game on on Sunday at half past one on TG Cahar. The Glen, Glen, Jesus, I'll never get that out of my head. <laughs> Waddy Graham's Glen play Scottstown. This is the second one on TG Cahar. This is going to be a cagey, uh, cagey game, Lee. I'll stick with you for this one because of Glenn uh, playing. Like, I mean, we know about Glenn. We've talked about them a good bit. Like, I mean, they do play counter-attack football. The game against Unions was an arm wrestle. Scottstown aren't that much different, if we're being honest. Like, I mean, that's Monaghan Club football. And, like, I mean, they should have won an Ulster club in 2018. Guido beat them after extra time. They kind of were a point up late in that one. That was an arm wrestle kind of of a match. This one will be an arm wrestle kind of a match. Like either Scottstown shit or get off the pot at this stage now when it comes to Ulster Club. They've won so many Monaghan championships. They have mm. been beaten in two Ulster Club finals, 2018 and 2015. They've Rory Began, Darren and Kieran Hughes, Connor McCarthy, Shane Carey off the Monaghan senior team. It's like Scottstown, are you going to do it? Or are you going to talk about doing it? Yeah, that's it. And there's a huge tradition with Ulster football in Scottstown as well. Yeah. They've actually won four Ulster titles, but the last one being way back in 89. So that's a long time. And considering that they've reached two finals since then, won seven out of nine county titles. So they've been there and been um, in the mix playing Ulster football. They understand it now. This is Glenn's first ever time playing in it. Um, Glenn did play against Unions. They played kind of poorly. And like you say, Unions set up pretty defensively. It was an arm wrestle. They play played a number of... They played a, a defender at number 11 to sort of stop Kieran McFall's, you know, runs from centre half back. And that worked really well. They were sort of not, well, very, sort of fortunate to get the, the late win in the end as well. The only thing that you could say about Glenn too, though, is that uh, Emmett Bradley will be back in midfield. He missed the last match. And then you've got the added bonus of having Malachi O'Rourke, um, who managed Monaghan, obviously, for seven years. So he knows Monaghan football very well. Would have managed a few of them Scottstown players. And he maybe set up a plan to try and... Uh, continue their long bar and run in Ulster. It's always an interesting one when you have an attacking uh, defender and you put a defender on them because, like, I mean, when I was an underage player, I'd have been an, an extremely offensive attacking number seven left half back and often in club football not so much a county football maybe my last year under 21 other teams would put a defender on you. I loved it. You had no defensive responsibilities. Like it's, there's nothing better for an attacking defender to not have any defensive responsibilities. And now a man's defending you going forward. So you never have to worry about of this man ever doing anything because he's only worried about you. It's fairy tale stuff. And when you think about it, like, I mean, what I used to hate is when the forward put me on the back foot and now I'm marking him. That's not my, that's not Kieran McFall's strength. You know, I, sometimes you can flip this. Now, if somebody's very dangerous, mm. like, I mean, you put a hardworking forward on him. 
maybe Niall you know rather than go to the extremities of putting a fella on him that's only going to mark him I'm not too sure wasn't it um, Gavin White marked Jack McCaffrey in an all in an all and final it was the worst thing it was the worst thing Kerry ever did yeah sure some of the best defenders out there like they defend and their their best form of defence is kind of attack like and that's you think of Lee Keegan and like no matter who he's marking, he has them under pressure because like the the bombing forward runs he's doing from wing back, like and he'd be one of nearly Mayo's best attacking players and their best attacking threats, like so it does. It seems a bit mad that you'd put a lad yeah. just to defend because that takes away the concern that say Kieran McFowell would have. Oh, I'll worry about this lad going forward. He's yeah. not even worried about that anymore. And he's so fast that he can drive through like Well that's the thing. Unless you're putting a Ryan McHugh who can play wing back or wing forward, Pat or Mogan, you know, these kind of players, Lee, which are more than comfortable mm-hmm. in doing it on both. But if you're putting a defender, you know, just to mark somebody, I would be completely against that because if you're not offering some threat, it's just so easy for the the, the attacking half half back. You have to say, like, the consensus too, like, when you read the reports on the match, is that that, that sort of worked because McCall right. had a quiet uh, first half. But after watching the game, um, I got the stream of it. it. He picked up a pretty bad knock really early in the game and he just sort of looked a bit limp uh, for the first 40 odd minutes or so, you know. But then he did find his, you know, second gear and he started moving again. And then he was instrumental in the last 10 minutes. He got a really, I think he got the equalizing point from range and he was bombing forward constantly being a threat so I, I'd say it was it was more the knock that upset his rhythm of play rather than having um, a defender marking him because he, he like you say he, he'd probably love that I mean even less responsibility even more of a free license to go forward and, and do what he does best yeah and plus you can like when you're in a half back line you can totally lose your marker in around breaking ball there's a whole load of different dynamic that defenders that are used to defending in the backs just don't understand about defending that far up the, up the field. Anyways, we'll move on here, lads, because there's loads of games. Um, Ramor United take on Kilku. Um, Cavan teams haven't done too badly in recent years in Ulster. Um, they haven't been hammered or anything. Cavan Gales got to the final one year, were beaten by Slocknail. They beat Kilcar, actually, which would have been a huge scalp. Um, I'm pretty sure that year. Kings Court stars were hammered by Kilku in 2015, but like that's six years ago. So, like, I mean, you know, Ramor. Again, Lee, without running down this game, I'm not exactly expecting a classic here. Although Kilku do play, Kilku play two forwards, everyone defending. But one thing Kilku do well is when they win the ball back, they'll try and move it fast and through the foot. Kilku are not a bad team to watch by any by any means, um, you know. And it depends what we see from Ramor, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, and Kuku will go into this game obviously as favourites. They're the reigning Ulster champions. Uh, they won like nine out of ten of the last uh, county down championships or something like that. Something you know, mental. Um, so they have the sort of added benefit maybe halfway through the season of already keeping one A in Ulster. Not saying that they're predicting that they're just going to win down, but you know they're they're used to it. They know what it takes to win it, and they can start preparing for provincial titles a little bit earlier than other comp or than other teams. And in terms of Ramore United, like. They've got some things that are going in their favour. Um, I think the game's played in yeah, it's in Breffney Park, isn't yeah, it? So it is. that always helps. Uh, they've got the Brady brothers. Um, James Brady in particular, he scored 242 this year, so that's always a help. And Kilku have some injury concerns. Uh, they don't know if Connor Laverty will play, Darl Brannigan or Dylan Ward. So just, you know, as though you imagine Kilku will be the favourites, uh, you know, Ramor aren't going in without any hope. 
Yeah. Where, like, I mean, this is just after popping to my head. Where, Ramore United, that's like a soccer team. Where, are they the yeah. only GA club that are called United? I was thinking about that. About I just thought of it. I, we were watching it on TG Car, Ramore United, and I was trying to think of another There isn't club. another one, is there? there? I don't think there is. Like, it's only uh, when Lee said it, Ramore United. It was like, <laughs> I just Googled it to see, is that what they're actually called? <laughs> Ramore GA club, give us a break here. Yeah. Fair play to them. It kind of it puts them on the map. Like you, you'll remember them yeah, when you united. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, just that's definitely an interesting one. I don't know. We'll have to try and look into where why they started calling themselves uh, United rather than CLG or something. Uh, you know, more GEA. Other other big games this weekend. Like I mean, we can't go through them all because there's full con uh, quarterfinals, Leinster quarterfinals, Ulster quarterfinals. Uh, Nace play Blessington. These are two teams that, like you know. N- Towards the end of the Nace game, you were expecting them to be out. They got over Tullamore. At halftime in the Blessington game, you'd think, expect them to be completely out and they came back against Mullinocta. This is a local derby, which a lot of people... I would never have thought Nace versus Blessington is a local derby. Niall, you did a piece on this on, on Sports Show. Yeah, I was talking to the Blessington manager, uh, Jonathan Daniels, and I was kind of just ringing to... You know, find out the story behind Blessington, like, and because they hadn't won in 38 years and it was just great that they got to win anyway and a big town like that it, it's mad that they were 30 years without it but when we got in we got talking anyway and he was telling me about looking forward to the Nace game and they're only 10 kilometers away from Nace like which I wouldn't have known at all like and he was saying that some of the their club members live in Nace and yeah. 70% of their team went to school in Nace CBS yeah and a lot it's of mad. them play, played with those Nace boys in Hogan Cups and Nace did well in Hogan Cups as well like so and the game is on in, in Newbridge this weekend, which is, it's not too far away from either of them. So you'd be expecting a real sort of, you know, a real derby feel to it. Like it's only, like Blessington in the, the last game they played, they had flares out on the pitch and there was, you know, a real just buzz about the the whole thing. And I'd say it'll be something similar this weekend, like because even though they're so close to each other and they know each other so well, you wouldn't expect them to be playing each other and maybe they never have before. No, and it's a very unusual in the provincial championships to have this local derby. You know, obviously we have Gauna and... What was the other Mollinata, time? Mollinata. Yeah, that yeah. would that would have been if they'd met each other, but that 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 obviously wouldn't wouldn't have happened. The other couple of games worth looking out for Aerog, obviously of Clare, play Lochnor Castellani there on their nineteenth weekend. We'll see how they get on. Keep your eye out for that. That's one o'clock in Cusick Park. Knockmore, the Mayo champions, played Turlestran, um Sligo, six in a row in Sligo. They're on one they're probably on the biggest Winning streak, are they now? What would the w- biggest winning streak in any C- county be? Well, sure, Ballygunner. Ballygunner are on. Maybe. They're on eight. Yeah, I think eight. they're on eight, yeah. seven or eight. But it's up there. Like I mean, a lot of the a lot of the favourites were beaten this year, and kind of runs came to an end. Um, so Turlestran, um, you know, I'd give them a fighting chance. That's in, it's in Ballina again, um, which would probably suit Knock more after playing there the last day. Yeah, exactly. Because it was it, it was a a strange sort of a, a look to that pitch in Ballina. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the Boggy, the cam wrangle, yeah. So knock more, they'll be they'll be used to that, and that will definitely stand to them this weekend. Like um, Tour de Strand, like they they're, they're going so well in Sligo, they've kind of haven't really done it in the Connacht, like. But it's obviously you know it's a higher standard when you get to play the the Galway and the Mayo teams. But like you know, having won so many in a row, like they will have a bit of confidence themselves, and I'd say they will be like they'll be going for knock more this Sunday as well. Like yeah, they're a good solid club. You could almost expect a a, a half upset. Um, in that one there's two county finals as well um, Galway hurling final these are the last two county finals in the country 
So county final time is over oh, and we've moved into a new a new uh, place next weekend. We'll be at provincial semi-finals then. So um, the crossover will finally have ended. Galway hurling final, always worth talking about. St. Thomas's are going for four in a row. Uh, they're going for five in six years, which is a huge achievement um, for them considering they won their first one in 2012. Um, and then 16... And they've won five out of they've they've won four out of five since two thousand and sixteen, which is massive. They're playing Claren Bridge, and what's interesting about Claren Bridge is that they are looking to knock St Thomas's off their effing perch, right? Because they're the up and, an up and coming team. They're senior B this year, loads of underage uh, good players. Uh, now they're the up and coming team in Galway. Like the perception is in Galway that Claren Bridge are coming. And that in a few years' time, they could be the St. Thomas's, like they could be the dominant club in Galway because they've had, like they've had a brilliant few years in underage hurling. This year especially, they've won the under-12, they won the All-Ireland Fela, they won the minor, their second minor championship in a row. And like their whole team, like they've a very young team. Yeah. And wherever you look on their team, it, it's lads who've played for Galway in the last few years, part of those Galway All-Ireland minor winning teams. And, you know, these lads have been coming. They had a disappointing year last year when they were actually relegated to Senior B. Just It, it was probably just a, an unfair reflection on them. They just unluckily dropped down. But I suppose they're lucky that the Senior B Championship in Galway it's mixed. is mixed and you can still get through. And once they got to the knockout stages, to be Tommy Larkins in the semi-final to be Crawwell by 10 points. And, you know, it is these young lads. It's the likes of, in the backs, they have TJ and Christy Brennan, two lads who played for Galway minor teams, TJ Brennan was on the Galway Seniors this year. Ian O'Brien is a big, strong full-back for them. And up front then, they've Evan Island is the main man. Like He's a big sort of a, a scoring threat. And I the thought focal point. Like, big, he's a big fella. Not a big fella <laughs> now, but he's a, a very sort of a clever and, you know, a great man to take a score. And alongside him, like they've... In, in the fo- they've, they've a lot of small forwards. Like Mark Kendy's another small lad, a very, a very good lad to take a score. But, but there's this keen salmon up full forward and he's... He's been he's like the focal point. He's a big lad. He, he's also played for Galway underage teams, and I suppose he's a bit of a target man for them. Who kind of the, the smaller lads feed off him, like so. Like St Thomas as well, they'll obviously be favourites. They have such experience and Connor Cooney, Dara Burke, Burke, These lads scoring so much, but Clarence Bridge are coming. Some people think it might be a bit soon for them this yeah. weekend, but like. They'll be playing with confidence, especially having won the semi-final so convincingly. We saw that with Ennis Gill and Gales probably came a little bit too soon for them against Derry Gonnelly. That could be the case with Clarence Bridge. I always think like when Galway have won all those minor All-Irelands in a row, it was a four or five anyways, you wonder what club is benefiting from that because remember when Leash won the minor All-Ireland in 96-97 and got to the final in 98, like Port Leash would have had five on 96, four or five 97 and three or four on 98. And then we won the county title in 99. You know, it was nearly that entire group of players that had come through and gave it, gave it the boost. So whenever you see kind of underage, you know, success, you wonder, geez, who, what club's backbone in that now? You know, it might be some kind of uh, new club on the block. Claren Bridge actually, or Michal Donoghue's uh, club, they have won it as recently as 2010. I think Michal Donoghue was the manager of that one, was he? Did, they I won think... an All-Ireland club too in 2009. Was that 2000? They've won, only won two county titles, it, 2001, did, 2010. I think yeah. they won an Ireland club. Well, my uncle, John, he was the manager when they won their first ever county title in 2001, that year. And I think they went far. I'm not sure who it was beating in the All-Ireland club that year. But they definitely got there around 2000. It was that year, 2010. I think they lost the final that year. Right. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that now. But um, yeah, like they've, they're a, a good club and really coming at the moment. And you'd kind of... 
you'd hope that well, they'll certainly be hoping that this is the weekend that they kind of st- stamp their authority because if they do, do you know, it could be the, the start of a dynasty. They did win it. They won it in 2000 and 2011. They beat O'Loughlin Gales 218 to 12 points. So, right. like, Jesus, they've only two county titles and they've been all Ireland club. Like, I mean, I'm very jealous of these teams that do that and go all the way. Get in, get out. And you're out the door. You've done your business, you know, and that's kind of it rather than these that's teams it. like Scottstown winning all, and you know, Kilcoo and winning all these county titles and disappointment in the Ulster Club. Get in and get out. You have your all Ireland Club medal um, and that's good enough. I throw Port Leash into the mix there that haven't won an all Ireland Club since the 80s after all the, the, the dominance in Leash. It's very, very, very frustrating. Um, yeah, so moving on from the Galway uh, final. The big match of the weekend has to be, and this is, this is even including... Uh, all the provincial quarterfinals. It has to be the Kerry County final. It's the first Tralee Derby since 1936. It's Cairns O'Rahillies versus Austin Stacks. And to chat to us about this one, uh, Barry O'Shea joins us on the line. Is the excitement building in Tralee, Barry? It is, Colm, it is. No, uh, we weren't around for the last one, so it's big excitement for this one. <laughs> all right. The tone is bedicting black and amber and blue and white. It's everywhere and... It's all the talk from everybody, from all women down to kids. is just match, match, match. That's all. Yeah. That's all that's been discussed at the moment. So, like, I mean, it hasn't happened since 1936. I think this is more of a Cairns O'Ratley problem than it has been Austin Stack's problem. Um, well, no, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. It's, the 30s, 40s, 50s uh, and 60s, actually, Cairns O'Ratley's would have been strong. The Stacks were kind of... Uh, nowhere to be seen at that stage. But then in the 70s, the Stacks took over. In the 70s and 80s, they were extremely strong. The team with Mikey Sheehy, Gerald yeah. Power, Danny Long, um, Gerald Keefe, that team. So they won a number of county championships in that period. And uh, I suppose you could say there was probably no rivalry in that period because they were just way stronger than us. Prior to that, we were way stronger than them. And I think in the last 15 years, you probably say it's been very equal. Yeah, because you, you obviously won the county title in 2002. You were on that team and then you got back to the final yeah. again in 2008. You would be on that team, yeah. only only you had gotten injured. So, like, I mean, yeah. you know, Austin Stacks in the last 20 years haven't been, you know, dominating in any way, like you say. Well, they won in 2014. Yeah. Um, so a good, good number of their current team, I'd say probably around half of that team would probably have a county championship medal from 14. And there's no guy on our team that has a, a medal. Right. What, what, so what's the rivalry like then in Tralee? Like, is it friendly? I saw Dylan Casey, he's the Stacks captain, he's only 21. He's saying that at his yeah. age group, there isn't much of a rivalry. Yeah, there seems to be. That seems to be the word kind of amongst the young lads. They all went to school together. They're all buddies together and all that, you know. But in my time, I mean, like, you would not be friends with too many of them. Even though, I know, Palais and William Kirby would have been great friends of mine. We played with Kerry together. And yeah. they're two Stacks guys that I would have been very friendly with growing up. And I actually grew up in the heart of Austin Stacks territory. I was just outside <laughs> the back gate of their club pitch was where I was born and reared. Right. So I would be I would be an outcast inside in the middle of them now. They, they tried very hard to get my, my <laughs> brother and myself to play for them for many years when we were younger, but uh, we stuck to our, our uh, colours. But uh, yeah, look, it's... it's what would I say? The, the rivalry is fairly bitter. It's, only, it's probably worse with the older crowd. Um, uh, it's it's, it's tame, tamer with the young guys. But look, for a final, you know yourself, if you're fighting with your brother, who's the guy you want to beat the most? You beat your brother. And the, the worst fight or, or, or the fight you have at home in the kitchen. So it's a bit like that one. That you don't want to lose to your fellow that's living down the road. I mean, or, or full back. 
Shane or um, Ross O'Callaghan, his first cousin is Shane O'Callaghan. That potentially they could be marking each other. And you've Wayne Guthrie and Darrell O'Brien are cousins of Gavin O'Brien that plays with us. Tommy right. Walsh grew up a few doors away from the, the two Shannon brothers that play with the sex. So like there's very close connections in both teams, and that's that's probably what makes it you know. A, a tough one for the, whoever loses on Sunday. So that's the thing that's interesting is that you grew up in Stax territory. Tommy Walsh grew up in Stax territory, and obviously, you know your, your family connections had you playing with mm. Kearns or Atlees. There's a lot of disputes about you know where Rock Street ends and where Strand Road begins. Like, I mean, is there a, is there a whole turf war going on <laughs> going on? There, there? is. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Tommy was my next door neighbour. Actually, we grew up next door. But yeah, look, there's a joke by a, a good friend of mine Gavin O'Brien's father uh, would say that Rock Street's the longest street in the world because it covers <laughs> everywhere but um, we, uh, we, we would be genuinely we would be a small we would be the smaller club obviously Stacks are a very big club numbers wise they would have the vast majority of Tralee Town and then you have Miguel ourselves and John Mitchells would be the three other clubs in town that would be fighting for the, the other uh, bit of territory so, but Stax would be the bigger, the bigger team by a long way. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like uh, Stax won all Ireland clubs. I'm pretty sure back in those 80s as well. I remember yeah, them yeah, playing. They, they were they won all Ireland clubs in the, in with the with they had a really really strong team at the time. Um, and they won Munster not so long ago. So look, they have tradition, obviously. Um, but you know, when you go out in the field, tradition doesn't mean a whole lot. I think it's more that's more things for fellas and the folks to be talking about. Yeah, true. So, like, I mean, obviously, the Austin Stacks, the this talk there is, you know, Rock Street, and that's where that ends. They're called the Rockies. You're the Strand Road um, team. You're called you're called the you're called the Narries. What's that all about? Yeah. Our pitch was built on a, a dump, a farmer dump, from going back many many years, and uh, the guys who went around the dump picking up bits and pieces of stuff that they could sell they were called the Nary Pickers so then we got the name the Nary Pickers so we're the Nary <laughs> So are you proud so of that? Are, are you proud of that name? Well from the other side they would use it in a disparaging way <laughs> I should, would I say if I put it nicely but say uh, yes we would be very proud of you stick our chest out and say yeah I am a Nary and she'll look they're my colours and it you have to have loyalty in life and that's what I'm loyal to Yeah you're like the Peaky Blinders the Narries is kind of what I have in my head well, yeah, probably, <laughs> we're probably more dangerous. <laughs> Come here, talking about the match, like what jumps out to everybody is kind of, I, you know, it's Tommy Walsh versus Kieran Donaghy, isn't it? Like it's the Twin Towers who are now at both ends of the field at full forward, you know, and pretty much how both teams use their 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 big man in full forward will probably determine how the game goes. I think Austin Stacks criminally underuse. Um, Kieran Donaghy, I don't know what what are you like with Cairns or Atlees? Are you are you are you using a bit of a kicking game with Tommy? Yeah, uh, Kieran, Kieran actually rarely plays in the full forward position for respect. He seems to be out the field an awful lot. And I would have thought, you know, the way you look at the game is he's heading towards forty now. And you say, where would you play him at this hour of his life? At the legs going, would you play him? Probably say you play him as close to goals as possible, but that hasn't been the case. But for us. Predominantly, Tommy plays full forward. He he comes out to midfield and spells, and he goes to midfield for the throw in and things like that. But as much as possible, we would use him in the full forward position. But then again, you know the way certain games can take on a life of their own. If the ball isn't going into him, well then you bring him out and try and get him on the ball and use him that way. But if we if at all possible, they they played him full forward uh, more often than that. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, your forward line is what jumps out. 
um, to anybody looking at it. You know, you've Gavin O'Brien, Jack Savage, Tommy Walsh, Barry John Kane, who everyone knows. Connor Hayes is this new kid on the block. Like, how good is he? Yeah. Good player. He was on the carry under twenties um, last year or this year, and uh, good player. Um, you know, he's young. He's he's probably a little bit light for at senior level, but he's a player who really came into his own in the last game. He played outstandingly well, and he's not lacking any confidence as most young lads are nowadays. So, no, he's a good player. And you would, yeah, look, you would think the forward line is our strength, and then on the flip side of it, Stack seem to be playing kind of a defensive game. They're strong defensive unit, so. It's a clash of styles, I suppose you could say, but not to say the Stacks don't have forwards as well or that we don't have backs, you know, that are capable, but that's the narrative anyway, that we're good forwards and they have good backs, but that doesn't always work out that way, as you know. I, w- I was talking to um, Shannon Ryan, who's a mutual friend of ours, Barry, and he's he's in the Ken Mayer backroom team, and he was talking about, well, look, we know how the stack's set up, and, you know, everybody knows how they set up, and, you know, Ken Mayer haven't been able to break it down, even though they got close. Like, are stacks an outlier in Kerry football the way they're playing? Um, they are, I suppose, yeah. They play that defensive game, and I suppose... From the stacks point of view, uh, like the, I would know a lot of the kind of old traditional supporters, like you know, they don't like that style of football. But yeah. come five o'clock on Sunday, if they win, they won't care whether they had two hundred and fifty guys playing in the defence. You know what I mean? Like they're probably playing to the strengths of what they have at the moment, um, and I'd give their management credit for that. Um, if if you've got strong defenders and you're probably not scoring freely, well then that's the game we're going to play. It mightn't be easy on the eye. And I have a feeling that the game on Sunday might be very easy on the eye just because if one team sets up that defensive, the other team kind of seems to have to mirror that and then it just becomes an arm wrestle then and a battle and uh, physical strength and, and, of course, weather at this time of year as well then can have a massive bearing on the game. It, it is. But one thing that uh, you have in Cairns or Atlees, you've obviously David Moore and if Tommy Walsh comes out for kickouts, you have that option from kickouts, go long, take six, seven, eight Austin Stacks players out of the game and move it down fast and you might get some joy out of yeah. your forward line. You know, you have that yeah, we play, ability. We do play long. We do play long in general, <clears> but like I said, I don't know, look, whatever game to get in the way, the game will pan out, but the Stacks have been sort of dropping back and leaving a team have a kick. So, maybe we'll be going short the next day and trying to walk the ball up the field. I hope we go long, but even though, look, having said that, Stacks have Kieran Donahue, they've Brendan O'Sullivan, they have Joey O'Connor, they have physical big guys around the middle as well. Um, and look, as a purist and as an, an old-fashioned guy like myself or yourself, we'd love to see the ball being kicked out from both sides and let it be a battle in the middle. Yeah, we don't see that. We don't see that enough anymore. I was, I was, I was reading into 42. You're, you're obviously Tommy Walsh's neighbours and you used to give him your boots because you were the big Kerry star um, in the 90s. You obviously retired early with, with injuries and so you retired at 27. But you stopped giving him your boots when he was 12 because it, because it didn't fit him. Well, I was probably being kind. He probably made it to about 10, maybe. <laughs> Realistically, he was... I was a size 10 in boot and I'd say Tommy was size 10 when he was about 6. <laughs> and um, yeah, I used to give him the, the boots. With, you, know, you know yourself, the, that's all we got out of football and all. We'd get a, a bit of gear and a, a pair of boots and Tommy would get a pair of boots but it, it, he grew out of them fairly quickly. We actually had difficulty for a spell there. He had difficulty getting boots from any any angle. You couldn't get boots anywhere. What size is he now? He's a big, big unit. Size, I think he's 14. Right. Jesus, he'd have to get them specially made, probably, would he? Yeah, he was getting them. There was a, a another um, guy in the club, actually. His brother-in-law worked for um, Puma out in Asia. 
and we were getting boots sent sent from there. So that'll tell you now. But I think young fellas are getting bigger and bigger now. So I think it's probably easier to get the big size boots. Yeah, come here. What happened, Barry John Walsh? Where's Where's he now? His brother. Barry John is living in San Francisco. All right. He's working out in San Francisco. So yeah, he he's probably he'd be only in his prime at this stage. He'd be around Barry John Keane's age. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's he's a player who left. Uh, he's gone five or six years now at this stage. Right, because he was a he was a very good Kerry miner as well. Like he's a big loss to the club, is he? He is a huge loss to the club. Yeah, he's living out in San Francisco, and Patrick Madden, who played in the last final, um, is living out that side of the country as well in the state. So yeah, but look, players move on. We've we've a few young lads that hopefully can uh, produce the goods on Sunday. So. so where have you come from, Barry? Because you weren't really, you know, there was nobody really talking about you. I know you have William Harmon in as your manager. Is he just in this year? He was with John Sukru when he when Sukru was in with Leash, so he's plenty of experience. Yeah, and he would have worked actually with the, the Austin Sachs manager Wayne Quinlan and himself would have worked together with Milltown a club in which um, be William Harmon's own club a number of years ago. So they know each other well. So that's another kind of a link between the two teams. Yeah, look where we come from. We got to the league final this year. Got absolutely hammered by Dingle. Um, now, we were missing a lot of players on the day, but it was a, a really low point. We walked out the gate that day wondering where was it all going. And then just shows you football. You know, this, the new season, with the split season, the, the championship is congested. You get a bit of form. Yeah. Things come right for you at a particular time. The whole thing is over in six or eight weeks. You don't have to spend months and months trying to keep form. And, you know, you get on, on a bit of a roll and next thing you're in a final. And they've, they've played exceptionally well in all the games. And so they are on a bit of a roll. But, you know, the Stacks has also played exceptionally well, um, even though it's slightly different style of football, the way they're playing. But they're winning their games easily. Yeah, well, they, didn't, they weren't great in the semi. Yeah, they weren't great in the semi-final now. They were poor. They didn't play well, yeah. But their, their system and the way they play will keep you in the game when you're struggling, you know. And, that's a positive of that system, I suppose, because you don't concede much even when you're having your bad periods. Yeah. And I suppose, look, they got a bit of luck and they'll openly say that and, you know, look, you need luck to get to win any any competition. So they got a little bit of luck in the semi-final, I hope. I hope they ran out of their luck, but <laughs> we'll see Sunday. Yeah, we will see. Where the Stacks chairman was talking about the huge, he says, we have a huge troop marching through the town and the crack should be great. Now, I know this rock, this Rockies troop, I've seen them firsthand because they have marched through Port Leash. They went to play Slock Nail in 14 when they won the, they won the, the Kerry and Munster title. There must have been a hundred people marching like a, in a, in a group. And Billy Sheehan, the new leash manager, was yeah. up at the front of them playing drums and all. Like it was. Yeah. To be honest, I like the carnival atmosphere, but I'm sure as a Cairns Ratley's man watching these march through your town, you won't be too happy yeah, about not, seeing. Not, not our cup of tea, no. I don't think we'll be marching up, but our plan anyway is to march down with the cup. That's our plan. So hopefully, we'll come out the other side and come down the come down the street with it. Well, uh, yeah, look, they like the, they like the march and they have a huge support. They're massive puller and uh, look, that brings its own fun and everything. But that's that's not the way we do things. We probably wouldn't have fifty people to, to march up there, so it would be it look a bit pathetic if we started marching up. But <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a few that'll gather afterwards, hopefully. Uh, so long as the Narries aren't planning to meet these lads, and we'll have a repeat of Bohemian St. Pat's uh, kind of altercations before the match. Uh, I, I, to be honest <laughs> with you, know, I wouldn't tell you half of the comments that have been made about those uh, those marches and what fellas would like to do. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that that really that roils things up, all right, big time big time when the when the marching starts but look 
as long as the player, it doesn't affect it, what happens on the field. I don't care really, to be honest. Ah, yeah, no, well, in fairness to them, it adds to the occasion and stuff like that. Like, I mean, uh, you know, there, there, there's no doubt about that. Come here, Barry, thanks very much for teeing this one up for us. No problem, no problem, Colin. Talk, talk to you again. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, great stuff from Barry there. I'm looking forward uh, to seeing, it's a pity that that one isn't on television, the Narries versus the Rockies and the Rockies marching through the town and the Narries not being too happy about the Rockies marching through Tralee before the match and all that kind of thing. Just adds to the whole uh, build-up of it. I'm hoping Kearns or Rattleys win that. Um, play more of a traditional brand of football. I think Austin Stacks, while I admire their history and I like a lot of their players and legendary ex-players, I just don't think that's Kerry football that they play and I hope for that reason I hope Kearns or Rattley's um, doing it and for Barry who I, who I know as well um, last one before we take a little break here lads I thought it was important to mention this because we were talking Declan Root has been talking in the Irish Times about you know it was an 11 week break before Clock Bellacolla we've probably talked to this to death anyways but like I mean he was saying it was a huge disadvantage we were wondering how did bridge the 11 weeks as it turns out and we should have known this anyways the Rapparees are a dual club to play with the starlight so like I mean it's not like they were sitting around doing nothing um, wasn't it Bally Gunner said they gave them two weeks off and mm-hmm. came back sure, just, the Rapparees boys just went playing the entire football championship and De- they were beaten in the quarter final so Declan Root had them back a little <coughs> bit before that final it was 11 weeks off but he's not ta- he, he's, Declan Root said after a game he said it's a huge disadvantage as soon as we won the county our lads, our lads had to down tools and turn their attention to football Starlights would be expected to be involved in the latter stages of football got knocked down in the quarter finals which gave us an extra two weeks but then he went on. I thought 100% here, Niall, that he'd start going. It should change. We saw Lockmore Castellani play week on, week off. I think this split season has support in Wexford. You know, even notwithstanding the 11-week break that he's had to endure, it's not helping him in, in Les Club because he says the way it used to be, week on, week on, week on, week off, week on, week off, he said it ended up that clubs who concentrated on hurling generally won the championship. We wouldn't have won this year without the new system, but it has made it very difficult to follow it through in Leinster. So, I was looking at this, like, uh, obviously, Rapparees are a football club. They, they won it this year. Like, when you look at the teams that concentrate solely on hurling, that's Owl Art Like, you know... They're the big team in hurling. I'm not sure it's because the because of the the way the si- the series or the system worked. Like Rat New, they're the big one. If you look at Navena won it in 2018. I had Conor McDonald on the show after they won it, and he was like something like the McGraths. He was on like his 15th weekend in a row because they they're a football club as well. St Martin's won it in 2019. They all play football as well. St Anne's play football, and they were getting to finals. This was before the split season came in. There was obviously periods of dominance would owl out the bala but was that just because they're a brilliant traditional hurling club in Wexford you know or is mm. it because like Declan thinks oh well that's because we were playing a week on week off and they were just playing every two weeks at hurling yeah like it's a tough one in fairness because when you think about like having like Lockmore you'd the way they're going, they're nearly like just freaks what they're doing going from hurling to football every single every second week like because like, when you take the the Leinster hurling championship out of it, like it it probably seems to be a good setup in Wexford there that it is split, you know. And you get to focus on your hurling, then your football. I don't know. Like so, some lads, maybe like you know, if there's a lad who's who maybe struggles with the first touch in hurling, they might find that a little bit upsetting to be playing football the next week and switching the whole way through. But then other lads kind of just love the mix of it. It's just it's it's a difficult. One. I'm not really sure. 
which side to come down on, like which way is better. Well, but I would think the disadvantage is giving you in the Leinster club yeah. would supersede having to play week on, week off, no? I'd say it probably would. Like that's what I was going to say. Like that is the that is the big drawback. Like because Rapparees, like how are they going to compete really when they were eleven weeks without without hurling and like the fact that they were playing football makes it even tougher. Like because they yeah. couldn't have even been training hurling. You yeah. know, Shell Malliers won it in two thousand fourteen. They stopped stopped Alert Balla winning uh, winning six in a row. Alert Balla had won five in a row. They're a football and hurling club. And that was before any split season. So how did they do that if it's such a disadvantage? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I still, it, do you know what it'll take in Wexford to, to stop all this? Because with the football teams, the dual teams winning it, maybe they're not as focused on Leinster. Wait till Owler to Bala win it. And they're waiting around 11 weeks. And Liam they Dunn were. gets on the local <laughs> airways. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's what yeah. that'll be ripped off, right? Yeah, there would. There'd be absolutely war, like, because the rapparees, like, they couldn't really complain because they were straight into the football and it probably yeah. suited them in terms of the football, but yeah, yeah, Liam Dunn, he would not be happy. No, that would be it. That would be, it'd be scrapped after one year. So let's see how Lord Balla win it next year and we'll see what the how, how the Wexford County Board hold up to that kind of pressure. Right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with a bit more news. Okay, so the first bit of news, um, Lee, is that there's a new task force, a new committee set up to... Uh, figure out a new championship restructure. So we've obviously done an awful lot of this um, and they're going to have to think up of some restructure, some tweaking, some new way of keeping everybody happy before Congress in February. So the... (laughs) The committee has been uh, the committee has been announced, and like I mean, I don't know this this you couldn't make this stuff up. So out of the ten people on the committee, four of them are vi- are vice chairman of the provincial councils, right? So like immediately anybody that knows has been following this debate knows that their big problem here is the provincial championships. We heard Brian McAvoy. You know how ingrained these are. They don't want to give them up. Why would you have four people on the committee? from the provincial councils when 100% of people agree the provinces are a problem. It's just how to do it. Will they think the provinces are a problem? I would say absolutely not. Other people on it, Larry McCarthy, Tom Ryan, Fergal McGill, now you're up to seven company men, company men, trying to reform the championship. What have the GA ever reformed? Right, then you have John Halbert, CCC, he's of the CCCC, eight company men. You have John Joe Carroll, who's a GA trustee, I googled GA trustee. I still don't understand what that is. I'm guessing company man. <laughs> Sounds so now, like something from the golf club or something. <laughs> yeah. So now you're at nine out of ten company men, Lee, to reform the championship, and the only outsider is a GPA represent representative. Now, uh, Jesus, I don't know, Lee. Like, I mean, what wh- what are we going to do here? I don't know. As a, a self-proclaimed GAA trustee myself you know, <laughs> I like to think that I could I qualify to be on this as well but um in terms of this the, the provincial championships I'm like we, we know it's an issue so the fact that these vice chairmen are on it it tells you already that they're not going anywhere no and um, there won't be two big reforms in in sense of that the only thing like well, well the big issue among all them then was that there was no link apparently you know between the provincial championship and the all-Ireland oh there'll be a link you can be sure there's oh, going yeah. to be a link now yeah, I mean, it'll be the same thing. This is that's what that's what I'm scared of. You know, I don't think they'll just be happy. I know you'd made the proposal of like if you win a provincial championship, you get a point on the board or two points on the board already for the league based championship. Yeah. But um, I don't think that'll that'll uh, appease them. If they're on the board making the reforms, they'll just be looking. You know, 
like first and foremost, there's no getting away from it. They'll be looking at their own backs first. You know, they're not going to be looking for the benefit yeah. of the of the players who are dropping out who don't want to go and and um, commit to these seasons who haven't uh, got much of a hope of winning trophies or playing uh, more than two championship games in a year. You know, I I I'm not confident that that would be their priority at all. Yeah. Um. And I don't know, like these company men and stuff, like it's. You know, we're, you're always ruled by the least among you, aren't you? Like, it's just the same everywhere, isn't it? Um, It's not those involved. Like, they'll come back in February and they'll tell us that they didn't come up with a new proposal, but they brought up this new mark rule that's going to change the game and that'll fix everything. Another yeah. one. It, oh, but to be honest with you, it's very, very deflating for that, that, that to think that that would be unacceptable. I saw Aidan O'Rourke uh, tweeting, like, if you're coming up with a committee like this, can you not have a football manager, a current football player at least or a former football manager that's not involved in any team now that understands what goes into things and, 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 and a player and get their perspective like they're still in the minority of this committee but let's lean on them and ask them we're thinking of this how you know in your experience how has that affected you Jesus Christ like these lads none of these lads have any of that experience and they're going to and, and again they're all company men and they're provincial council vice chairman so Christ almighty good luck to anybody thinking there's anything going to happen um, with the provinces but anyways we'll, we'll move on from that we'll see what they come up with uh, for February and I, I know it's going to be it's going to be uh, I was going to say shit but I'll just it's terrible I'll just say terrible anyways it's that wonderful time of the year and it's not Christmas it's the time of the year where lads sit down Feel how sore their body is after all those years and decide to call it a day. We're having a good few here. We're having a good few. The latest one, Kevin McManaman is the biggest one. To be honest with you, after seeing him in the county final, probably in around retirement time, looking at the way he's moving, it, that, that zip has kind of gone out of his play, which is so dependent on, like, you know, it's amazing that a sub, predominantly a sub, can have the impact he had. Like, I mean, it's a testament to him and his commitment levels and his commitment to Dublin um, and he said, fare thee well, sweet Anna Liffey. He's obviously into the music and we know he plays music. He's a, he's a great character for Dublin. Very exciting player. Very predictable in his early career, but added a few more strings to his bow, like a left foot and, you know, maybe not as one-dimensional with the blinkers on and just going at his man because he couldn't. You know, defensive systems wouldn't allow that kind of uh, style. But I think a player that is universally liked around the country now Definitely, yeah. Like he was such an exciting player to watch, really, Kevin McManaman. Like whenever he got the ball, like as you said, you kind of know what was coming. He was going to put the head down, but he kind of he had a he had a dummy in there as well. Like and he was kind of he was a great man running with the ball. So strong when he went at you, he actually wanted you to to go. And the minute he felt that contact, he'll he'll step towards you. You're on the ground and he's gone. Yeah, like he kind of just pinned the shoulders back as well and head down straight for goal and. There was just like, I was watching back and the goals he scored, the one in 2011, the one that won that All-Ireland, that was iconic. But the one in 2013 was just as good and very similar as well. Like he was just, um, like I'd say everyone in Dublin loved to see him coming on. Like was he starting in, was it 20, was was he starting in 2015 or was he always? He start, no, he, he, started, start, once he or twice. started one or two years. He yeah. started, but like, I mean, he, for some reason, whenever Kevin McManaman, when he was starting for Dublin, Number one, he never really did it to the same extent. I, I don't yeah. know why. But number two, he could have three good games in a row, one bad game, and he's dropped. He was always the fall guy. He was, yeah. And like he just, yeah, you, you were kind of, you're thinking when you see him and he's doing so well coming off the bench, you think this lad's going to, you know, he, he, he should definitely be on the team. But I suppose, yeah, when 
when that kind of is your you, you kind of become a super sub and you do it off the bench like managers want to save you and with good reason too because he, he was the man that was winning games and changing games for Dublin like yeah I think psychologically um, Lee that goal 2011 like talking about like that didn't that didn't win the game it was Kevin Nolan's point that won the game like I mean but it got them back into it got them right back into the the mix a game that didn't look like it was but you kind of knew it didn't look like they were going to win that game Kerry were much better in the second half and looked like they were going to cruise to it that goal I was at that All-Ireland I was, I think I was working for News Talk at the time the bloody stadium I've never mm. felt anything like it it shook it was electric and at that point I've been on the field against Dublin when they score a goal the stadium's rocking Kerry players' heads are starting to scramble and before they know it you know they're, they're, they're in a game that they just didn't want to be in and Dublin just fed off that energy and like would Dublin have won in 2013 had they not won in 2011 that really close game with Mayo you know that gave that gave them the confidence and threw off all that baggage of the noughties and you know I don't think people could ever you could ever underestimate the importance of that goal by Kevin McManaman no, absolutely. As soon as it hit the back of the net, you know, he became a cult hero in Dublin. Um, like you have to remember that team in the noughties, they were like, they were just so well known of, you know, getting this quarterfinal, semifinals, doing really well, but then throwing it away in the last five or 10 minutes, like against Cork and uh, at that, that famous semifinal against Mayo, was it in 2006? Six. You know, they they didn't have that, that guy just who could get, grab the game by the scruff of the neck and say, no, I'm not going to let this happen again and actually get them over the finishing line. And, it's almost like you said, like that sort of became his legacy now as a super sub. And um, the way he plays football, as you say, like he's direct, he takes men on, he puts the head down. And like when you have a match and the game's sort of settled, you know, everyone's into their rhythm now and you're up against Dublin and you've kept them reasonably at bay for 40, 50, 60 minutes. And then you see Kevin McManaman coming on and you know he's going to take you on and he's going to put the head down and he's got the pace. And you remember the goals in 2011 and 13, you know, his own legacy, it would put the fear into you. Uh, he was just the ultimate super sub. And it, it feels like you're doing him a disservice by saying that, but you're not because it also like, I think it also led to like the longevity of his Dublin career as well. If you look at someone like Bernard Brogan, who had a brilliant career, he, he, he took him a little while to get into the panel under Pillar Caffrey. Then he became a mainstay. Then he became the star. And then the star sort of faded as the years went on. And then he could, he sort of, at the last couple of years, couldn't get onto the squad and the team. Kevin sort of maintained that he was an impact sub from the start and he maintained that pretty much all the way through his Dublin career, a little less in 2020 under Desi Farrell. Um, so it sort of helped him there in terms of his longevity. But yeah, he's, he's a, a cult hero for Dublin and I'm certainly going to miss him because it was just exciting from a neutral point of view. When you seen him warm up, you knew it was cat among the pigeons kind of thing. Yeah, he's kind of in, it's not a huge suck because he was in the semi-retirement. Have He went to the Olympics, didn't he, this year and missed the season and the year before, Desi didn't entertain him. So like he's pretty much been out the pasture a little bit already, really. So it's not a surprise that, that he's done it. It is true that he, he made such an impact coming off the bench that the first time I ever saw it, I think it was 2016, that the minute Kevin McManaman started warming up in the all semi semi-final against Kerry, Im Fitzmaurice warmed up a defender. And when Kevin McManaman came on, handed the slip, the Kerry defender handed the slip and he ran, the, you know what I mean? Just to have a fresh lad on with McManaman. And I was like, thinking, watching it going, haven't seen that before, but just so logical and smart by Eamon Fitzmaurice that he is a huge threat. He is fresh. Whoever's marking him is tired. Get somebody on and have him geared up the whole way. You're, you're all our in semi-final is 20 minutes and Kevin McManaman. Are you ready for it? 
yeah and they handed the slip at the same you know around the same time fantastic drama um, and stuff whenever he'd be coming on another man that uh, is gone is Cottle Craig this won't be create as much of a of a story he won Connacht titles in 2010 and 2019 like I mean an excellent player for Roscommon very clever player lovely balanced uh, player and a good kind of big strong fella as well like I mean um, probably very underrated in in a lot of ways can play I think he start could have started out or he started at wing forward I think he's played at wing back I would like to see him maybe at centre half back for Roscommon for a year because he has that kind of intelligence lead at, he's the type of lad you could play anywhere but the way systems are now I would I would definitely have taken a look at Craig at number six uh, maybe for a year yeah, I mean, he, he was there long enough. It's not like they didn't have the chance. It's like 16 years on the panel, you know, you could experiment now and again. But he was the sort of player, like, he was so versatile in, in terms of that. Like, he was he was so strong and he was fast as well in his day. Um, and what a score as well. I think I read it down, he scored 24 goals and 184 points, I think, in his career. I mean, that's that's some tally they ended with. Um, he was more of an impact sub coming off the bench this last year or two, but... Yeah, I mean, a, a fantastic career just for a stalwart of, of Roscommon football. Yeah. That's like, I mean, that's the time I'm talking about playing centre-back, the last two years, you know, when he has been in and out. Because as you get older, it's difficult to play in the forwards and be marked tight. Like, I mean, I, haven't I told you about my experiences at junior B level? Like, I mean, it's all relative. Uh, uh, Niall, you're looking at me with a face on you there. Um, but yeah, I think that the last two years, try him out at centre-back and let him dictate a game a little bit from there. I remember like a bit like Kier McGinney did towards his latter years. I remember like Tyrone's or Armaz's big tactic was Tony McEntee would start at number 15 John McEntee would start at number 15 Tony be at 11 John McEntee come back play centre back Kieran McGinney would be beside him with a free roll and Kieran McGinney wasn't did a little bit of sweeping and covering but his main his main attribute in that free roll was his kick passing and getting that ball down the field fast and I think managers could kind of think outside the box um, a little bit a little bit like that so best of luck to Cottle Craig another bit of news which kind of geez Banty's really doing the business here isn't he Donny Buckley he's after getting in um, now he's after getting in Liam Sheedy now first reading of this you'd say what the hell does that hurling man know about football what's he doing up there how much is he getting for going up there all these things come into my mind the minute you read it and then I was thinking you know I remember criticising Kieran Donaghy going the other a football man going to the Galway hurlers and my whole reason for this was Kieran Donaghy knows nothing about hurling what Kieran Donaghy has done is won all Ireland's you know he's a winner and he could like if he went into leash he could really help a leash like Oshie McConville came down and did some with the leash hurlers before the Galway team that he went into had just won an all Ireland they didn't need that psychological kind of you know boost or that kind of chat and experience Monaghan need that and Liam Sheedy's won it and winning an all Ireland football or winning an all Ireland hurling it's, it's an all Ireland how did you do it you know, mentally, how, how, you know, what, kind, what does it take? Because lads that have never won it are striving to understand that. And Liam Sheedy, I remember Paddy Stapleton called him on the hurling show, he's the ultimate alpha male. And he does strike you as that. Like, I mean, he'll go in there. And like, I mean, I would imagine a Liam Sheedy team talk would absolutely inspire me. And there's not many, many managers I would say that about. I think his whole management style would, uh, would inspire me. And I think it's, a, it's an absolute uh, coup from Banty. Do you remember the video we seen last year when it was uh, it was tape against Clare and he gives Bubbles the tap on the back and then he goes up to Seamus Callan and gives him the, yeah. the belt. Like He kind of seems to be and the whole way through last year he kind of he became sort of nearly a, 
a psychologist on the line for tip like he was going around the warm up Can and I he just was going there, mad and right, he was I never said this on the on the hurling show because I didn't want to burst the bubble of this brilliant Liam Sheedy management where he well, well oh he punched bubbles twice in the chest he or no he punched Callan twice yeah. in the chest put his arm around bubbles and he had a little chat now that's all right that was different forms of management but every player was playing differently now say if all all those three players were coming in after playing bad all equally bad I would love to see that, you know, a different way. But what if Callan was playing shite? He wasn't in it. He might have deserved that. Whereas Bubbles was playing well, he got the... Do you get me? It depends how you're playing. So all for us to analyse, that's him brilliantly treating three different players differently because of their personalities. You're, you're, you're put, pushing aside how well they were playing. Do you get my point? I suppose, yeah. I think too much was made of that clip, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I suppose I'm just saying as like it's, it's an example of the... The kind of like that's the way he's kind of seen. He's a real sort of a. He seems to be a great man to sort of get the best out of lads and to. Oh, yeah, there's definitely you know. De- and and plus the tip team he won the All Ireland with in 2010, that was against the odds. Definitely, yeah. Like it was coming up against Kilkenny's. Yeah. Kilkenny going for five in a row at that stage, like, and I suppose as well as that, like Liam Liam Sheedy, he's worked with Caroline Currid and psychologists like that, and I suppose. Like he's going in, it's a performance coach, isn't that the name of the ah, whatever they job, are, whatever yeah. that is now? Like, <laughs> like I'd say, it's it, like you'll have it, a sleeping coach soon if you <laughs> catch you sleep the night before, it's very important. We get a sleeping coach in, like, sure, everyone's a performance coach, really. Like, everyone's yeah. to do a performance, but you'd have to think that it will be a psychological kind of a thing that he's coming in for, do you know? Like, yeah. it's not yeah. going to be football coaching. Well, like, really, I mean, yeah. it will be absolute steel. Like, one of the most incredible things which gave us huge confidence with Mick O'Dwyer it was Mick O'Dwyer like I mean that kind of stuff can't be bought Lee like I mean this is a man that's been the greatest manager that has ever managed and he's our manager and he's telling us now that we're good enough like I mean you just like you cannot buy that and you can't regardless of how snobby you are or how you know like good a manager you are having someone that has done that with you you know like I mean it's it's massive yeah, it's absolutely huge. It definitely is. Um, in terms of that performance coach thing, I actually think Blessington have Philly McMahon in as a performance coach. Oh, yeah, yeah I meant right to mention well. that. Well said, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I mean, it's definitely a new role uh, that's been thrown around and people are... I think you just get winners and people who've won stuff before. Yeah. They can just come in and, and <laughs> talk about how they won. And if you... Like, I mean, it, but it's... Winning is... Um, you know, it's it's contagious. Philly, like if, you, Philly, if you're Philly, surrounded with winners, you'll do it. Philly could be if there's a fight in the tunnel at halftime, coach. He could he could <laughs> help them out with that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll not be messing with them him standing in the tunnel waiting for the opposition team to come down. But um, no, it definitely is. Like I mean, because you instantly respect them. You'll sort of look forward to to that. You know, them initial meetings and the opening training sessions. You're like, oh, there he is. You know, I wonder what he's like. That curiosity, first of all, to spark it, and then to say that you've worked with them. Like, there's a bit of pride in that to say, yeah, I worked with him. Just even like you were saying there about Mick O'Dyer. You know, like, I mean, that's something you could say you've done. And you as a player, an individual and a whole squad of people, uh, it's, it's just another reason to go and show up for your county and to put in their performance. And you want to you wanna impress this man because of all the amazing things that he's achieved and you respect him so much. Yeah. I mean, you can see it only as a win. Yeah, I can see it only as a win. And they always say, like, when you look at Monaghan, one point off Tyrone. 
and it's all about inches and you know getting up there and getting that extra inch I think Liam Sheedy can definitely give them a few inches on from a psychological point of view and having them um, he, he's been involved with Antrim hurling and awfully hurling now hasn't set the world alight as an invo- whatever role he had with them but ab- obviously huge pedigree All-Ireland winner Alpha male, all those things I, res- I, res- I respect. <laughs> um, this is the last one of the weekend. This is like, I mean, I've been, we've been talking about our lads uh, doing it for their clubs still. And it was Martin Shovlin, wasn't it? Lined out for his club in Donegal. He's 62. He All-Ireland winner with Donegal. And um, the whole story behind the Martin Shovlin thing is that he's not lining out with his club at all. His club needed five players. So like different club kind of I think he was in his civvies playing you know so they wouldn't have whatever it was he wasn't planning he wasn't playing the season some of them had to line out as far as I know that's not the case with Pauline McCarthy so she is she played junior B football uh, final last weekend and scored 1-2 she's 62 right and not only that she's playing for the Camogie team in the semi-final next week and she's been top scorer this is a junior B level. I don't give a shit. I'm 43 and playing junior B. Trust me, it's all relative and it can be hard when someone young is marketing. She's top scorer. She's 62. She won an All-Ireland Club Camogie and Football Championship in 1978. The year I was born, Niall. This would blow your mind. She's still playing. She's 62. Like, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Not only is she 62 and lining out, she's 62. And I don't care what level it is. I don't give a shit. She's 62 and she's top scorer in, in, in senior, uh, in adults, camogie and football. The craziest that of all is that the 1978 one, like that's 43. Is it 43 I'm years 43, ago? 43, yeah. I think, and she's... 1978. She 43 years ago and she's still playing now. Like, that's just unheard of. The only, the only person I could... Compared to your man Mickey Linden, wasn't he playing for his club? Up till 50, I think he went to 51 or 52, 50, I think. Yeah, like this one, pa- Pauline McCarthy, she's just on a different level altogether. She's 62 and she's still scoring goals. And I seen a picture of her yesterday, like she's very, you know, she's she's in good shape, like, and she's obviously, she's obviously Be well. Able able for you now, no. <laughs> 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 Would you go away? She's well able to, she's well able to move, like, because most. 62 year olds you know they like they wouldn't be wouldn't be wouldn't be able to move around that well well that's it our very own legend her club said St Aylby's I hadn't heard of them before but she's definitely put them on the map Lee like I'll give you the last word on Polly McCarthy remember the name and keep her eye out we'll keep her eye out for the Camogie semi-final which is next week so I'm sure there'll be a lot more people with, with interest she did a little bit in the Limerick Leader um, after the game a little bit of an interview I've been trying to get her number but I haven't got it yet so hopefully I'll be able to talk uh, to Polly give it to me when maybe. you get it uh-huh. give it to me when you get it <laughs> uh, Lee I'll give you the last word <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to top that then, but um, yeah no I mean what an absolute hero of a woman and I tell you what uh, coaching the East Belfast ladies team uh, they no longer have any excuse anymore I've heard them all because I'm just going to use her as a case study every single time if Pauline McCarthy at 62 years old can go out and do this then you can go out you know in your 20s or whatever I have a couple of girls who are only late 20 and they're talking oh I don't know if I can do another year commitments and all this and I'm like no forget it Pauline <laughs> has set the new standard so you're all going to have to match her she's she's incredible I just yeah, what a hero. Yeah, that's it. So hopefully we'll talk to Pauline uh, next Thursday. I'll let you in on the call, Niall, and uh, you might have a chat to her as well. So we'll talk to you all on Monday. We'll be back and we'll review the all the weekend's club action and we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. 
But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I might have been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.